Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Like, say I want to see what you're doing and who you're hanging with, and you're not posting about it on your story. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's weird. You do that? No, I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends, and then use that money to buy something at a store with Apple Pay. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Ew, Elizabeth Dutton, my girl. Zaren Burnett. I got a question for you. I've been burning to ask. Uh-huh. You know it's ridiculous. I do. Do you I, really? I do. You're just making that face? Or no, you really dude. Do? I'm 100% serious. All right, lay it out for a brother. Uh, it's ridiculously cool. Oh, really? Yeah, our listeners. Yeah, totally. Sure. Okay. So I have two things for you today. Uh-huh. Um, listener mail. Yes. The first is from Summer. Mm-hmm. That says, hi, both. I'm a new listener from London, England. I'm absolutely loving listening to the show. I'm currently listening to the Ocean's 10, the Baker Street robbery episode and have more information for, for you on the emergency circumcision ambulance mentioned at the beginning. Oi, thank you, Summer. It was owned by a man called Ephraim Yosevic, uh, who is a Hackney-based private circumcision surgeon. Mm-hmm. I say that. 85 times, uh, who does home visits. So he's not a moil. He's not the, somebody who does the circumcisions culturally well, or religiously. No, he does. You no, know, he is a moil. Yeah, I suppose. And he's in East, and Hackney is in East London. The Audi TT was a private ambulance, so not part of our National Health Service. Mm-hmm. So you can't call 999, our version of 911, to get a call out. I believe, but can't confirm that it services the Shamrim Jews, I'm maybe not saying that right, mm-hmm. Jewish community in London. But don't quote me on that. I'll attach the relevant links below. Anyway, I'm loving the show. Can't wait to hear more. Summer. Nice. Thank you, Summer. I Summer appreciate that. Summer came through with the intel on that. Yeah. So that was ridiculously cool to get an update, a yeah. ridiculously cool update. Totally. And then we heard from Jeremy right. through Instagram. Okay. And he said, hey, y'all, not sure if you guys already talked about this monstrosity on the podcast intro, mm-hmm. but if you haven't, enjoy this food crime. They were first come, first serve. 
is what he's saying. Oh, is this a mashup? Did you sneak a mashup past me? <laughs> you get me all lulled into like this, like, oh, listener, Summer's got this cool bit of fun fact. And then all of a sudden, by the way, if somebody decided they made an edible bagel that you can wear as a shoe. <laughs> Close. So it says they were first come, first serve on their Saucicles website late last year. Uh-huh. And each box got two tongue torchin and two Zach sauce flavors. And mm. I was, quote, lucky enough to get a box of them. And yes, they were just as horrendous tasting as they look. What is saucicles? I don't even know. So this. Zaxby's. Oh yeah, the chicken place the in the chicken south. Chicken fast food place, yeah. which is a I think is a fancy fast food place where I lived in the deep rural south. Sure, I'll you give had it to drive you. like an hour to get to fancy <laughs> Zaxby's. We didn't it's the have high class. Fancy. We have Bojangles. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they had saucicles, yes. which were popsicles that were sauce flavored. Oh God! So it says Zaxby's sauce is going where no sauce has gone before. Sorry, I'm retching over here. Go the on. freezer. Well, they're saying that they've gone where no sauce has gone before. The freezer. Guess what? People freeze sauce. Like frozen live mayonnaise. With it, Zaxby. Sure. I don't know. Oh, I don't know how God. people live. And it says why? Because we figured if you'll lick every last drop of that legendary sauce off your fingers. You'll probably lick every last drip of sauce off a popsicle. So what are you waiting for? Get them while they're cold. I question your reasoning about what I will do, sir. Two flavors. Yes. Tongue torch. Uh-huh. A mild garlicky peppery heat, just cold. In other words, spice, spice, baby. Okay. Is what it says. Uh-huh. And then it also says ice cream use. This is for Zach's sauce, which I suppose is their, like, house sauce. I'm guessing. You know. Yeah, so their uh, secret sauce, if you will. their sauce sommelier draws up. Ice cream, you scream, we all scream for this creamy blend of zesty spices. Can I be left out of this? Can I be left out of the we? Can well, I it says be? the saucicle freezer is empty. Yeah, damn right So they're not is. available anymore. Oh, darn. And apparently they were shipping them places, but it says here they couldn't ship them to California, so... Is this like the fall of Rome where people are just eating the weirdest stuff? Yes. We are <laughs> at, what the, what we're at peak decadent fall we're, of Rome in this country. We're, yes. we're making animals extinct because we're just like, yes, I like to eat their tongues. Yes. Okay. They're, well, they, they're taking out the, the rare wild Zaxby's. <laughs> I can't believe A chicken with this. eight breasts. A saucicle. Uh-huh. I didn't need to know that word. Yeah, you did. Thanks, Jeremy. Oh, man. I got, I got something for you if you got a second. I want to sure get you back. <laughs> no, this one's fun. It's uh, a guy from Omaha, uh, Nebraska. And I know dudes, who that is. Yeah, I thought you did. Yeah. His own mother said, quote, he looks like a nerd. Now, <laughs> this guy, he'd given himself the street name MacGyver. So, you know, I love him. Yeah. Yeah. So he's basically, you know, for those who don't know, this story takes place in the mid 90s. And MacGyver was an early 80s poster boy for uh, ingenuity under pressure. Right, right. Right. Now, this nerdy teen from Omaha, he was like, oh, I'm known for my improvisational skills. Right. But not to like blow up cartel speedboats with like a hunk of bubble gum and like a double A battery and a paperclip. No, <laughs> not that kind of MacGyver. More like I can go to a gas station and walk out with cartons of cigarettes, MacGyver. Right. Okay. Whatever. You know, anyway. So this cat, as I said, he turns to crime, finds he's good at it. He's so good, he earns himself a new nickname. The James Bond of crime. Oh, that's yeah. an upgrade right, right there. Right, totally. Right? And it uh, goes from TV to movies. Anyway, <laughs> supremely fitting because by then, at this point, the dude was allegedly parachuting onto Austrian castles to steal priceless crown jewels. Get out. Not bad for a kid from Omaha, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. Yes! <laughs> it's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. Elizabeth. Zarin. So glad to have you here. Thank you. Because, oh boy, do I have a very special episode of Ridiculous <gasps> Crime for you. Am I going to learn a lot by the time it's over? We're all going to be changed. Oh. Yeah, so you hear me say this uh, a, a fair bit, a lot, we'll say. These are my kind of guys, or like, this is my dude, or my this dude. cat, I love him, right? But in this instance, I'd say all of those are true. Oh. This is my kind of guy. Oh, really? This is my dude. I love this cat, right? Uh-huh. So meet <laughs> Gerald Blanchard, international burglar extraordinaire. Okay. He's uh, also the star and the focus of a new documentary that's about to come out from Hulu called The Jewel Thief. Okay. Now, the folks from Hulu, they reached out to Ridiculous Crime, and uh, they well, sent they us— they didn't read out to me. Well, you don't open the emails. Well, that's I true. opened the email. That's yeah. so true. So they sent me an early screener. They would have sent you one if you opened your email. But anyway, I watched it. I enjoyed it, and I didn't tell you about it, so I'm going to tell you about it now. Okay. So I thought I'd tell you about my dude, Gerald Blanchard. Now, I told you up top, dude's from Omaha, Nebraska. That's not exactly true. I've already started lying to you. Oh, <laughs> you know, okay. Right? Yeah, no, so his story begins earlier than that. He was originally from Canada. Oh, I was like, is he conceived in Canada? And no, born no, he's in not Omaha? that kind of guy. No, he or was is that like, how far back you're going? No, no, like, uh, he was a glimmer in his parents' eye. <laughs> no, it, he, was, uh, he was adopted by two loving parents and then raised in a family and home of wealth and privilege, right? Mm-hmm. But then, as so often happens for those featured on this show, there was a schism in his childhood and mm-hmm. a fracturing of his sense of what is and what could be and what was about to be because... He went from living as a comfortably secure Canadian to being the son of a single mother barely scraping by to care for herself and her young son in America. Oh, wow. Yeah, so his parents get divorced, right? That was the schism for Gerald. Parental divorce. This fractured his life into before and after. Yeah. Right? Now, after the divorce, his newly single mom, she moves across the border, as I said, to Nebraska. She finds work. She tries to raise her adopted son on her own. It's not easy because America. uh, But they make a go of it, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want you worrying too much. And they had each other. Their love was just, you know, holding them as their bond, their bond super strong. So and they then, had each other, but not health insurance. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> America. So the bank forecloses on their home. And oh, this man. is like a devastating blow to the young boy. This becomes the real final schism that broke Gerald away from what we'll call the path of a normal life. Mm-hmm. Right. At this point, he's like, I despise the banks. You know, he's like one of those depression era people. Like he's going to start shooting at the revenue man. Right. Right. So he's like decides that what the banks have done to his mother and to him is a crime. Right. And his mother had begged and pleaded and said, I can make a new payment arrangements. Please don't take our home. And the bank's like, ha ha lady, this has more value to to us than to you. She's like, but it's my home. Right. And he's like, this is just cruel. So he decides I'm going to go full nineties on this. Right. So he did as many of our folk heroes opted to do. He turns to crime. Mm -hmm. So he starts with, uh, you know, initially, Stealing food from stores. Yeah. Nothing big. Very, very like, you know, lemis of him. Very lemis. Very lemis. Very lemis in Omaha. So <laughs> he's going down to like the local like gas and gulp and grabbing like stuff, right? And so this is mostly for him and his mom. And then he goes moves on to stealing, uh, as I said, cigarettes or whatever for his teenage friend. Now, you were there for the early 90s, Elizabeth. I was. Now, you remember the bangs that were hairsprayed into gravity-defying oh, sculptures? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you remember the Aquanet bathroom era, right? <laughs> Walk in, there'd be a cloud. Okay, now, imagine, like, two or three of those girls with the acid-washed jeans. Mm-hmm. They're all giggles and, like, hairsprayed bangs. And there's this skinny teen boy, shirtless, because, you know, Omaha. And he's outwitting <laughs> the clerk at work in the night shift. He's shirtless in the... In the gas station. Yes. He's getting service. He's no 
shoes, no shirt, no you know, service. Men not, used not to no walk off. around with no shirts on more often. Oh, yeah, definitely. They don't see it enough Well anymore. into the 90s. You know, there's a very, mm-hmm. people think, oh, it's a 70s thing. I'm like, no, nah, that really yeah. kept going. Yeah. It was like, I think. What's up? What happened? 9 11. Oh, no, yeah, you're I, don't, right. I don't know. I, don't know. Right. I honestly After don't know. After the what towers happened. fell, it was just like it took the spark out of shirt. Yeah, really, you can't go shirtless. You can't mm-hmm. be showing your nips and that anymore. Yeah, we're, Have a, some respect we're a serious people. Now. But in all seriousness, the, the dude's working, you know, the local gas and go late at night, and he's there, shirtless, skinny boy, impressing the girls with the bangs, snaking out cards of cigarettes right under the eyes of, like, you know, this dopey clerk. Now, that's not too hard. So he's like, oh, I'm good at this. And now he's getting a name. So now he's like known as like the guy who takes risks, right? And, and everybody else. <laughs> cigarette dirt bag. Exactly. All the kids know he's like, he'll be the one, man. He's still like a, you know, a stereo from Radio Shack. Oh, right? wow. Okay. Yeah, exactly. High crimes, Elizabeth. High crimes. So I saw, as I told you, the documentary about him. So I know a little bit about him. And I know some things like he broke ridiculous crime commandment number two. Do not film yourself in the commission of a felony. Right, right, That's the way I know about how these girls looked and everything is that they had cameras in the gas station filming him. And they filmed him, like, steal the cigarettes and run out to the car and everything. So he was just always doing this. But like I said, this is the early 90s. So this wasn't like a a camera phone. They had, like, a video camera in somebody's hand. You know, they were filming Wait, so it wasn't like security camera? No, no, like the, he was his filming? buddies were filming it. Like, like an episode of Cops. Yeah, so or like Reality Bites or something. It's like, <laughs> like they're like talking to the camera. Anyway, so this guy looks like a nerd. He's the one who's going to grow up to be the James Bond of crime. So mm-hmm. how does he do this? Well, okay, so budding antihero, Gerald Blanchard, he, as I said, starts to make a name for himself. He does actually start stealing from Radio Shack. He starts stealing stereo components, speakers, cameras. He's selling it to these other kids. They got this new thing called a cell phone. Mm. The cell phone, it looks like a, like a red brick wrapped in plastic with an antenna shoved in it. Yeah. It's huge, right? Yeah. It's like, Radio Shack cell phone. Now you can call from, like, the Little League game or whatever. <laughs> so his peers in Omaha are loving him because he's dealing all the stuff that they would want to buy. Hot commodities. Now he starts to get to living the good life he's buying new clothes he's buying himself the tech toys fancy watches expensive labels he develops like, microwaves <laughs> cd-rom exactly he's going to hotels with free cable whoa waterbeds you know hbo anyway so <laughs> now he's that one guy at the school everybody knows right and so eventually this means the cops know about him so soon enough the fate follows he gets busted swat shows up at his mother's house Aww. they go breaking in they find all the stolen gear he's got stored in the garage age 15 gerald blanchard is busted for the oh. First time. All right. Cocky teen did not see it coming, even if he knew it was a possibility. Still Mm -hmm. a surprise because he's 15. Yeah. When we were 15, boys were like, no, it won't happen to me. Right. right, Happened to him. So, well, he gets lucky, though, because what happens to him is American racism floats his boat. Right. Because (laughs) he gets to go to court and rather than have his future snatched away from him by some overzealous judge, the judge looks at him and goes, well, it's just just a little uh, white boy who's got, got himself into a little spat of trouble. You know, just a wayward kid. And he decides, you know, this youthful indiscretion could probably best be met by some parole. So he lets him huh. go. Even though this guy was moving, basically uh, moving trucks worth of stolen equipment. <laughs> it was this, that much. Yes, yes. So wow. it's still a youthful indiscretion. Yeah, well, Right? So he gets granted parole and uh, the wayward white boy, does he fix his errant ways, Elizabeth? He does not. Hell no. <laughs> Instead, he goes, and as Blanchard puts it, he got smarter, better, and bigger. Right? Okay. You see why I love this guy. <laughs> so he gets so good at crime, he's able to buy his mother a house. Oh, yes, I a like that. new home and one the bank can't take away because it's all paid for. He pays for the whole oh, thing. And, oh, Just whoa. buys the house, right? Nice. And he buries about a hundred grand behind his mom's house. <laughs> Just, good for you him. know for tough times. Yeah. So at that time, Gerald was sixteen years old. 
He bought a home at 16 <laughs> After in he cash. was busted a year earlier. How does that work, you know, in terms of... He had he told his mom that he worked a deal with his friends, and his friend paid for the house, and then his mom's like, okay, but, I don't but how know the they, details. <laughs> how did they transfer all this? Ca- I have logistical questions. Uh, I don't know if it was like, you know, they put it into an escrow account as like, a, and then just wrote, you know, a credit line from there. I don't know how the and money was just managed. Deposited but it, I know like, that it was worked through other adults. Interesting. Okay. At least that's the story. That's okay. what I know. Yeah. So, now, boom, this starts his real crime career. He's buying houses now. I yeah, mean, that's he's like, big time. Yeah, exactly. So at this point on, he's a career criminal with a heart of gold. And at one point, he has this miraculous double escape from police custody. Uh-huh. As a, Gerald tells the story in the doc, the jewel thief, that he's, he's like all casual about it. He's like, quote, a friend of mine set his car on fire to collect on the insurance. That's the start of the story. Uh-huh. Right? So, you know, as one does when you're a middle-aged guy or, you know, or a made man, you know, this is what, this is what you come up with when you just set the car on fire to get the insurance. Insurance records. But because he's a teenage boy and he's in Omaha and they're doing it in the middle of nowhere, they're like, yeah, how much gasoline do we need to set a car on fire? Elizabeth, how much gasoline do you think you would need? <sighs> I don't know. In gallons. I'll give you just, you know, numbers. I was going to do it in liters. Uh, I don't know. Two gallons of gas? They used 10. 10 gallons of gas. 10 gallons was too much. That was overkill. That's like two of those, like, tanks you fill up for your lawnmower. Yeah. Those are fives, right? Yeah, those small ones are usually two. two. The bigger ones, like, for, like, cars and trucks, they usually, like, like five, the bigger red ones. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm talking about. Two of those. Two of those red cans. Oh, yeah, yeah. Poured all over a car and then... Throw the match. Oof, la la. That's so a lot. Now guys. they have a firebomb, right? Say, so the yeah. firebomb goes off. Boom, boom. But just to get it going, just to get the fire started. No gas tank yet. Fire. Enough. The big black smoke goes. Cops see this on the horizon. They're like, what's going on over the hill? So yeah. they go and they go in to check. Well, I wonder how much gas was in the car. That good question. Okay, thank Great you. Questions. Thank you so much. I like this. You're bringing your A game today. Thank you. So the boys hide out when they see the cops come up. And then Gerald's like, you know what? I'm tired of hiding out. So he's like, he tells his buddy who's like a little bit. Uh, less brave, we'll say. Uh-huh. He's like, uh, you wait here. And the guy's like, oh, I'm waiting here. So he's like, I'm going to go talk to the cops. So he walks what? up in the middle of nowhere. And the cops are like, what are you doing out here? And he's like, well, there's a car on fire. So I thought I'd come over here and see what's going on. The cop's like, uh-huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he reeks of gasoline. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing. So he's like, oh, hey, afternoon, officers. What's up with the car fire? They're like, sir, you smell like gasoline. Oh, no. He did. Yeah, he absolutely reeked of it, right? And they also recognize him because I said the kids all have been talking about him. He oh, is right. that guy in a small town. So they're like, it's you. Yeah. So then he gets busted. So while he's talking to the cops, the car explodes. Kaboom! Now they're like, sir, we're taking you in. Yeah. They arrest him. They cuff him. They're like, you know what? You're coming with us. So they uh, take him into the cop shop. And in Gerald's word, they make the mistake of disrespecting him. That's always a mistake. Yes. So this 16-year-old is going to make these uh, police officers learn that you don't disrespect him. <laughs> don't diss me. Let's take a little break. And I'll tell you how it goes when uh, he gets his vengeance against these local cops for trying to disrespect him for pulling a, you know, an insurance job. Oh, when he, God. <laughs> he shouldn't have. <laughs> rant for a sec please pay apps are way too public what happened some rando hearted a payment from five months ago and i realized people can see my entire history who i'm paying like full names it's super weird yeah it's weird how are you paying your friends then apple cash it's all in messages you can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends random people can't see it did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. 
As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. All right, Elizabeth. Okay. We're back. Okay. And now, as I Okay. Told- I'm excited. <laughs> you are you? Yeah. Okay, so we had the car be firebombed by the teenage boys. The uh, cops have arrested one. They've taken Gerald back to the cop shop. Mm-hmm. And as Gerald said in the documentary, the the jewel thief, they say, he said, quote, they brought me into the police station. The police officer totally disrespected me. And I knew I was smarter than him. I knew I was better than him. Hmm. Yeah, a little cocky kid, right? Yeah, so he gets bit. to work on getting his revenge. So keep in mind, he's in police custody. He's in the cop shop. His mm-hmm. buddy, who you know, whose car they blew up, that guy's still on the loose. He's out there, right? Right. Yeah. So he has a police scanner radio because they've been at this little while. So they roll around with a police scanner radio, and Smart. He's, he's listening for word on Gerald, right? And then he hears something. While Gerald was in the interrogation room, apparently not handcuffed, Gerald climbed up on the table. He opened up the ceiling tiles, pulled himself up into the space for the air ducts, and then he slid the ceiling tiles closed and then starts crawling around the police station's ventilation system. Are you kidding? Oh, my God. Yes, it's amazing. The cops walk back into the interrogation room. He's gone, right? They're like, the kid's gone. What the heck, right? They're like, aliens, magic, right? Well, they're wondering why in the rest of the building the tiles move every now and then and dust comes from the ceiling. Remember, though, he's skinny kids. I think he can manage on those, like, aluminum braces. He's not moving he's not the tiles. Even... Yeah, he's... Wow. Exactly. That's That kid's got stones. So he stays up there. Cops are flabbergasted, and uh, they put out word over the radio. Gerald Blanchard has escaped from police custody. His buddy, his friend, listening to this he's like oh yeah <laughs> he drives down to the cop shop to see if gerald needs his help oh my god yeah so now the police in the station they were looking for this houdini kid they're looking everywhere looking under desks they're looking in cars they can't find him gerald is gone gone right mm-hmm. so the cops are in full panic at this point they're like what are we gonna do what do we 
oh, we call, do we call his mom? Like, what, <laughs> what do we do? So meanwhile, the teenage boy is watching all of this through the vents, just amused, tickled. His friend gets brought in. He watches his friend get interrogated. And then his friend's like, yeah, man, they're like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I came to see if Gerald needed help getting away. Gerald's like, oh, God. Gerald's like, yeah, that's my dog, right? He's loving all <laughs> this, right? So the cops are like, okay, you're free to go, buddy. And his, and his friend leaves, right? So Gerald, watching all this, waits till 1 a.m. The cops decide, well, guess we can't find him. Turn off the lights. They lock up the station. They Are leave. Are you kidding? <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. I think it's more like the detective's room. I don't think the entire police station, <laughs> but all, they well, lock up. Well, that's a night for us. Yeah, so they, <laughs> that's it. No, they call it, right? So then he drops down out of the, the ceiling tiles. He goes over to the detective who disrespected him. <gasps> And he goes over to his desk, rather. Not the, okay. you know, the guy's not asleep at his desk. No, he goes over <laughs> to his desk, right? And then he, quote, uh, takes the cop's gun, his badge, his walkie-talkie, the pictures of his wife and his kids off of his desk, his Rolodex file, and I took a bullet out of his gun, put a happy face on it, and stuck it right on the middle of the desk. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, the, what is in this this child. <laughs> but also, why does he, the cop leave his gun unsecured in his desk? I, I guess this is, I mean, basically the, Irresponsible the 90s ownership. Omaha, Nebraska hadn't gone full militarized yet. Once again, pre-9-11, so That's they don't really... have all the tanks and everything. They haven't gone fully militarized. Yeah. So I think they're like down-home cops. They're like, I locked my door, desk drawer. Oh, I forgot to lock my desk drawer. Whatever. Yeah, the guess. door's locked to the detective's office. I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. It surprised yeah. me. I'm surprised he didn't get cuffed in the interrogation room. Well, yeah, there's You know what I mean? Room, there's yeah. so many things. I'm like, wow, things are casual in mm-hmm. Omaha. <laughs> anyway, so as Gerald puts it, everyone should be respected no matter what. But when someone disrespects you, you have a problem. Or at least wow. I have a problem. <laughs> and I will make you pay for it. Oh, yikes. And man, did he. Because Gerald's not done. Gerald bundles all the stuff into a police duffel bag and he bounces. So he <gasps> leaves the dude's gun, his badge, pictures of his wife. Now he's in a chess match with the Omaha police. So he's trying to outthink him. He's okay. What did they think that I would go? What's a safe place that they wouldn't think that I would think that go? Oh, and he's doing all this in head. He decides, I'm going to go home because he's a teenage boy. Oh, so he's right. like, they wouldn't think that I would be dumb enough to go there. And also, he just really wanted to sleep. So yeah. he goes back to his house, goes home, goes to sleep. Next morning, the blues and twos roll up to right? his house. You'd think so, yeah. Bubblegum machines blaring. The lights, they they come out with full riot gear, SWAT team. They bust down the door, show up like guns in his face. He's not in bed. Nobody's there. They're like, what? I thought the kid would be here. Takes them a while. They go digging through boxes and boxes, and they go into this one closet filled with boxes. It takes them 10, 15 minutes to pull all the boxes out. They finally pull all the boxes out, and they're behind, like, some little crawl spaces, a half-naked Gerald going, oh, you caught me. So he gets brought in, right? He's arrested. Now, remember I said double escape? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. did. So you this, did. Now he got wrapped once. He's arrested. He's back in custody. So he gets transferred. The arresting detective tells the Omaha PD, uniform cop, be careful with this guy. He's kind of slick, right? Uniform cop. You got to see this guy in the documentary. He's okay. this really macho guy. He's like, tells the story great. And he's like, yeah, that ain't going to be a problem. This nerdy kid ain't going to get away from me. Wow. Right there, I'm telling you, this is foreshadowing. Yeah, He's getting away from you, Roger Ramjet. <laughs> so cut to a few moments later. They're at Central Booking. The uniformed officer, he parks. He gets out of his patrol car, leaving Gerald in the back, handcuffs on, right? Okay. Behind his back, he's handcuffed this time. Yeah. But before the cop can say, I don't know, John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt, Gerald has hopped over the seat, drops into the driver's seat of the cop car, locks the cop car doors. Then the cop spins around when he hears the doors lock. <laughs> he sees the suspect now in his patrol car with, like, his gun and his keys. His hands are up in front of his face now, holding on to the steering wheel. He's managed to get them over well, yeah, his head. Well, he's like a skinny little his, kid. Exactly. Like he, yeah. So no, his hand's no longer behind his back. He grabs the steering wheel. The, the cop goes, 
oh no. And he realizes yeah. his whole career starts flashing before oh his eyes. God. He what does he do? What does he do, Elizabeth? Uh, he goes for his gun. And he, he, yeah. He draws on the boy. <laughs> well, I mean, he's because the kid's behind the wheel, he's now behind the wheel of a lethal weapon. That's true. That you're you're much more astute than I am. I'm just thinking, like, okay, what are you gonna do? Shoot the cop car? I mean, yeah. So he's like <laughs> That's what he's gonna do. Exactly. He's prepared, but then I think the you know, Gerald knew that he wouldn't. So all the screaming's going on in the cop shop, full volume. Remember, they're in Central Booking parking lot essentially. The cop yeah. has just popped out for a second. So the guy's yelling, like it's like you know, in Reservoir Dogs when they had that moment, look, buddy, I will shoot you in the face. That's what I I was picturing right. when he's telling yeah. the story. He's like all angry, right? So he squared off, cop and criminal. What does the kid do? What does Gerald do? Puts it in reverse and oh, it, well, he's the cop has backed in, so they're facing each other. Oh. You know, he's looking at the. He's looking. Does he hit? Does he? He almost, drives right, right into at the cop. He punches it. So he floors it. He puts the cop up on the hood of his <gasps> own car, <laughs> dumps the cop behind him. Tires squeal. Oh, no. Smoke fills the arrow. Gerald races off. He drives through the like parking lot style gate. Yeah, shatters yeah. that he's on the loose right so what does he do now he drives one state away in a cop car in a cop car <laughs> so the original <laughs> arresting detective was in iowa right so he's out working a traffic accident scene directing traffic he spots a cop Wait, in iowa because yeah, this is taking place in, in, in council bluffs iowa and oh, 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 omaha oh, oh. nebraska okay. so he drives over to council bluffs iowa one state away right yeah. and uh it's a neighboring jurisdiction, essentially, but the neighboring jurisdiction is a different state. Okay, so the it. cop is in Iowa, and now he's wondering what an Omaha cop car is doing in Iowa coming up on a traffic scene. But he's like, whatever. So he starts waving the guy through. He's like, oh, I must be doing business. Maybe he's going home to his wife. I don't know yeah. what it is, right? And then he notices, like, wait a minute. That's not a cop. <laughs> he sees a, a shirtless, half-naked Gerald Blanchard he's still shirtless. behind the wheel. God I don't bless. know when he took his clothes off. But well, yeah. no, I think he probably he fought him when in he the He got closet. arrested, they just never put a shirt yeah. on him. Yeah. So anyway, he's sitting there. He's uh, you know naked from the waist up, and he just kind of like meekly waves at the cop. <laughs> the cop <laughs> has a moment. Hands. Yes, exactly. You're picturing it. The cop has a moment like, am I having a stroke? Yeah, right. What's going on? He like drops his clipboard and everything from the accident scene, runs over his cop car, and he gives chase, right? So then, boom. And then he finally, they manage they chase him for a while. They catch Gerald. And boom, because of all of these charges, he's now going to prison. Oh, I would say so. Yeah. So he goes off to prison. And that's where he becomes a real, real criminal. And okay. uh, after he comes out, I was like, this guy is like, you know, he's moved on from I'm going to steal from Radio Shack. Now he's like, I'm ready to be James Bond because you've made point, me a hard criminal. Exactly. So this guy, rare one, uh, total Lollapalooza of a man. <laughs> Rather than uh, pull quotes from like newspaper articles or you know share more quotes from the Hulu doc, I have a surprise for you. Are you going to do an accent? Well, I figured we could hear from Gerald himself. What? Yeah, I sat down with him for an interview. No, you yes. did not. Producer Dave, would you hit play? Well, Gerald, thank you for making time to uh, speak with a ridiculous crime. I'm super stoked to talk to you. I've checked out the Hulu documentary, The Jewel Thief. I very much enjoyed it, and I am just super giddy to speak with you today. So thank you for making time for us. Yeah, thanks for having me on your show. Now, Gerald, uh, I did my research. I saw your government name, Gerald Daniel Blanchard, street name, MacGyver. You're called the James Bond of crime. But I want to ask you, which criminal title do you prefer? Master Thief, International Criminal Mastermind? Well, when I was younger in Omaha, Nebraska, my street name was MacGyver because I would always be tinkering with electronics and doing pranks in high school with friends, like shocking the biggest guy in high school, like a guy named Eric Meats, for an example. So my mm -hmm. school was like really tough. And that's why they gave me that street name MacGyver. Or actually, and they also called me the wizard when I was in jail. But those were the two names. 
Nice, nice. And now what do you prefer in terms of like your uh, criminal appellation? Do you like a uh, criminal mastermind? Do you like master thief? Do you like jewel thief? What do you think of yourself as if you were to be, you know, described in such terms? Well, if I had to be described, I would probably just say, um, I don't know, maybe just Gerald. Because <laughs> the past <laughs> is the past. Fair enough. Look at that, Elizabeth. Oh, my God. I am like, I was having such a hard time processing this. I can't believe you actually talked to him. Yes, I got to finally talk to one of my dudes. The, the wizard. Yes, the wizard and I, we uh, mashed it up. This oh, is my wow. idea of a mashup, Elizabeth. See, we like That's chopped like it up. That's like king mashup right there. So we got the guy, the actual guy. And I said, like, you know, like, you know, I wanted to ask him all these questions, the ones we constantly pose, which mm-hmm. is like, you know, what, what's life like as a professional criminal? Like, you yeah. know, who were your role models? You know, but like, in all honesty, these are <laughs> like, the things I really... How many movies have you watched? Are you writing a book? Exactly. <laughs> when do you get a book deal? I mean, do you have a literary agent? So this is Can a, I have their number? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, do I have to do a crime or can I, can I fake a crime and then do... Anyway, <laughs> so this is like his first time really coming forward and telling his story. Okay. Well, I mean, not to us, but the, the, the Hulu doc. He comes from the... I see, the okay. So, but he had... Oh, that's right. I'd, yeah. I had forgotten about the Hulu yeah, doc so, at sorry, this point. Yeah. So he <laughs> he had other opportunities in the past to come forward. There were big name people who asked him to like tell the story, like names you know, like Oprah. O- what? He's one of the few people to tell Oprah no. I mean, and like uh, he said no to Oprah. Oh yeah, uh, producer Dave, can you play the clip? Thirteen years ago, Oprah actually called my criminal lawyer Danny Gunn from Winnipeg, Manitoba, re- requesting for me to do an interview, and I turned her down because I wanted my privacy. And I decided to do this documentary with Landon in Hulu because. I thought it was the right time to tell my side of the story and what things transpired. Right? So he says no to Oprah. Wow. Says, I mean, yes. like, does he have, like, a, is there a price on his head now that he's denied <laughs> Oprah or something? I think he kind of had to wait for some things to simmer down. Stedman's outside of his house in the bushes with, <laughs> like, a silencer on Nobody again. says no to Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> Tightening the silencer down. <laughs> so uh, the Sisyphus was our, like, you know, our, our chance to actually talk to an actual, factual, international jewel thief. Yeah. I asked a lot of the things that we wonder about on this show. I Excellent. didn't go for, like, you know, the normal questions that, like, a respectable journalist might. I went for the questions we want want to know the answer yes. to like who did you look up to when you were a baby crimer i asked him oh, you know like when, when you were a young perp who did you want to be things like that uh-huh. right so i said uh dave do you mind this doc from hulu the jewel thief it covers your impressive criminal career and i was just curious because we we spend a lot of time talking about criminals on our show and we often look at uh the arc of a career and i was wondering when you were first starting out who did you look up to who did you have as your criminal role models actually it was batman and robin and i was always fascinated by they were trying to catch the bad guy and it seemed like it was easier to be a bad guy than a good guy Mm -hmm. so i remember when i was younger watching the show and then i remember like my first heist and that was going to steal the neighbor's milk because when my mom left my father we were actually really poor Oh, right. Oh, my God. Batman and Robin are his criminal role models. He's like, it's easier to be the bad guy. This is amazing. <laughs> he takes all the wrong messages from Batman and Robin. This is amazing. This is like the greatest day of my life. <laughs> I thought you'd so love this. Good. My little surprise for you. This is so good. And his first heist is uh, stealing milk. You know, he's like my first heist yeah, the back first when heist. I was a milk runner. But it was for a good cause. Totally. Oh, yeah. You got you know, I got to say, too, Zarin, you would almost think that you were a journalist. I know. With these amazing questions. Well, let's just pretend along, all right? <laughs> so the questions we always talk about, right, I, as I said, I got to finally ask one 
of my dudes. And I was like, I love that his answer isn't like a Michael Mann's Heat or Scorsese's yeah. Goodfellas. It's Batman and Robin. Yeah, exactly. So I also got to ask him, like I said at one point, uh, quote, we found a lot of criminals who escape into the movies and the shows they watch. And I was like, telling him, like, they start imagining this bigger, better life that's existing like up on the screen, right? That, or the flickering screen of TV, the silver screen of movie theater, whatever it is. I'm like, a lot of them, that's where they, and also they get their ideas for their crimes. So I asked Gerald, like, did you ever do that? And he was like, Actually, pro- no, I was just more creative on my own ways. Don't you love this guy? Oh, God. <laughs> like, he's amazing. Yeah, I was like, I wanted to tell him about, like, we don't fight, but he's like, no, I don't do that. And I was like, never mind. Moving on. <laughs> I'm so, so much better than that. <laughs> so as you can see, he's very much his own guy. A little cocky, which I also like. Mm-hmm. And I, I asked him about his strong moral code because you'll notice uh, he has this well, it showed his moral code showed off very early from like you know his first bust at fifteen. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like that train robbing bandit, uh, Billy Miner, that yeah. way, where he's like he has this real strong code. He won't uh, rob individuals. He only robs co- companies, corporations, yeah. and then like when he like robs from banks and stuff, he'll like call the credit card companies and be like, Here, "Here's all the credit cards that I took." So if you see these charges, don't, like, oh wow, yeah, he's insane. So Gerald told me about how he was like, in my words, like, kind of like a mafia don honoring the code of Omerta. Mm-hmm. When he gets busted, he wouldn't say a word, right? No matter. How how much the cops tried to scare the kid yeah. that was sitting across the table from them. Um, for his first big bust, he's out there looking out for his crew. Right? <laughs> this is amazing. We know the manager of the store has been involved. And the police officer gave me a pencil and a piece of paper and said, write down on this paper and tell me exactly what happened and you can go home tonight. And if you don't, you're going to jail. That's the first time in my life I had to make the decision, am I going to be a rat firmer and it keeps solid and i said okay if i rat this guy out he's going to lose his job he has a family he has kids he's going to go to jail i'm going to destroy this guy's life but if i keep my mouth shut what's going to happen they're going to send me to youth jail this kid's got a pair on him, right? I mean, seriously. So he refuses to snitch. He uh, he takes his sentence like he's Polly Walnuts. You know, he's just, <laughs> he, and this earns him respect when he gets on the inside, right? Well, and he's not violent. I mean, he did hit that cop, which is like, the guy's yeah. probably still in physical therapy. The guy therapy, who dr- had pulled a gun on him. I mean, sure, he kind of escalated to the yeah. point of like, I think he would have driven away without hitting I the cop. I just think of his poor knees. As someone with really <laughs> destroyed knees, oh. Well, anyway. I asked him, uh, I asked Gerald about our theory about criminals who only steal from fat cats yeah. and corporations and why they choose to never use violence or steal from their equals, you know, or the vulnerable, if you yeah. will. Now, he had a great view on this, so I thought you would like it. Uh, Producer Dave, do you got that clip? I'll tell you this. I'm very 100% against stealing from individuals. So much so. That might be because I remember I had a coin collection when I was maybe eight or nine years old and my sister took the hinges off the back of my safe and stole some of my coins. She stole it. And I was like, how could you steal from your own family member, like your own brother? And Mm -hmm. she was really young, like maybe six at the time. So I can't blame her because she didn't know better. But I've always been against stealing from people, like just so much. I just frown upon it. You want to steal, go to the store and steal from a big name store. They can absorb the cost to a certain extent rather than the family next door who's worked really hard their whole lives to have all this stuff, save their money, and then the neighbor goes in there and robs them while they're at work. That's not fair. I do not like that. 
This I, is, yeah. I, he's amazing. I thought you'd love that guy. I, I do love we that. We can hear from his mouth, like, boom, there's Stick the rationale. Stick to the fat cats. Yeah. <laughs> and so, love this. The, I, I've uh, saved the most impressive crime, that, at least to me. That he's he got a bunch of crimes. So a lot of them are impressive. But the one that I want to tell you about is an international gem thief heist. So uh, let's take a break. Okay. Uh, and I will uh, get all my papers in order, and I'll tell you the, the rest in a second. Awesome. You dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Elizabeth, we're back. Yes. So, I said the most impressive crime, in to my mind, is uh, the one I'm about to tell you, International Gem Thief. This styles. is like an escalation. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's, this is when he gets his, like, James Bond level, like, criming on, right? Yeah. So, the, have you ever heard of the CC Star of Austria? No. I'd never heard of this either. Do you know who Empress Cece is? I did not. No. I had to look all this that up. That sounds like my next-door neighbor's little daughter. Empress huh. Cece. Oh, really? Like what she would make you call her. Like oh, when she's I got playing you. In the I yard. thought that like her real name was no, Empress Cece. No, it's like she's always out there playing outside. Oh, and I got like, you. Like you under go, like long yeah, dress. I'm, I'm Empress Cece. Yeah. Sure you are, kid. You're <laughs> <laughs> so warm-hearted. So this this uh, Empress Cece, she, sh- <laughs> she shares your name. Oh. Yeah. Elizabeth, not Clyde. Okay. Elizabeth uh-huh. Amelie Eugenie. Empress of Austria and Queen to Hungary. Huh. Good for her. Yeah. This was all by via marriage to Emperor Franz Joseph I. Huh. Yeah, she ruled from April 21st, 1854 until she was assassinated by an anarchist in 1898. Uh, that was a that was a common thing at this. Yeah, those that was days. a yeah, like a big cause of death with Late anarchism. 1800s, it was like yeah. heart attack, car accident, uh, Just anarchist. you wait, I'm going to tell you about that. Car accident, a little too early for that brunette. Anyway, <laughs> you, but she was not she was not only the proto anarchist yeah, cars. Diesel, like he's inventing a car <laughs> running over his neighbors. We had like three. Anyway, so the longest ruling monarch of the 19th century was she was one of them. She was also considered 
considered one of the most striking, beautiful women of the 19th century. Mm-hmm. She was like, she set standards for certain things. I think you'd like her because she was fluent in multiple languages. She wrote poetry. She called herself Titiana in honor of the fairy queen of Shakespeare. Like mm-hmm. that was like her court name. And she was not into court life. She kind of like thumbed her nose at all. She uh, suffered blue periods, what we call depression. Mm-hmm. She was very much her own woman. She smoked cigarettes, which, which was unheard of in the oh. mid-19th century. Huh. Like it was big in the 1920s. So in the yeah, 18- yeah, yeah, that's true. So even more shocking, she had a tattoo. And, Whoa. and not just like some normal, like, oh, like, I don't know, like uh, a rose. Yeah, a rose, exactly. <laughs> some shrinking flower. She had an anchor tattoo on her arm. <gasps> yes. <laughs> she said it marked her love of the yes, sea girl. and her affinity for sailors. <laughs> so, what, 18, what is she? Did she like a Polynesian tattoo? No. <laughs> she wow. just was aware that people had these. And she's like, I want one. That's Give me incredible. one. I want the anchor. <laughs> Good for her. It doesn't say mom. Mom married me she's into this. Amazing. I, I love that. her. <laughs> so, also, she was a strident animal lover. Huh. For the she, ho- everything is better and better about this. Right? Frog. I'm telling you, she's like your patron saint practically. For the holiday Saints Day, she was asked what gifts that you know she would like, and she was like, Oh yes. And her answer, very Elizabeth. Uh-oh. Yeah. She said that she would like A, a baby tiger, and B, a medallion. And above all, she said that C, she would like, quote, a fully equipped lunatic asylum would please me most. Oh my God. <laughs> No, I wouldn't want the baby tiger. You know how I am. Let no. wild be wild. No, but just have, substitute and, and that, that with you like a an Costco gift card. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I want a, now I want a lunatic asylum. Right, exactly. So she was known for her compassionate treatment of those suffering from mental illness. Yes. So she wanted to be able to give them greater care. Yes, so that's and a what fun she means. Time. Fully equipped. She meant with doctors. And, and Tattoos <laughs> for everybody. Oh, yeah, exactly. totally. So she's also a lover of fine things. And so, in particular, Empress Sisi, she loved gemstones. Her That was like her bag, basically. Mm-hmm. So, People, they wanted to impress her. They're like, oh, hey, beautiful woman, please wear my gemstones, right? So we get the star of Cece. In 1998, uh, to mark the 100-year anniversary, the centenary of Empress Elizabeth's death, uh, the star of Cece was put out on display at the Schönbrunn Palace of Vienna. Okay. All right. Now, coincidentally, my man, Gerald Blanchard, happened to be in Vienna at that time. He was there with his then wife and father-in-law. They took a tour of the palace. Oh, look at all the fineries, right? And he goes, and he spots the jewels. I've actually seen the palace before really uh-huh word i've been there you've been in this palace i have look at you jet Center. look at me so look at me <laughs> the dude much like you wandering around in the palace he's smitten with all the fineries that you can probably better attest to than i he's delighted by them like mm-hmm. is it really spectacular yeah, in there yeah. okay so he was just gobsmacked by all this he decides right then and there I must steal the star of Cece. Yes. <laughs> it's just, it must, it's like, it has you know, to happen. Yeah, it's one of those like national treasure moments. It's like Nicolas Cage, I'm going to steal the Declaration well, of Independence. we've had a lot of criminals on the show who see something and it just speaks to them. Yes. I have to have it. He had that voice. Yeah. So this it's is, all, I have to have it. That's the voice. <laughs> Do that one more time. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to talk. <laughs> I have to have it. <laughs> I want that little voice on my shoulder. <laughs> anyway, the CC star is also known as the Cokert Diamond Pearl. It is a 10-pointed star. Uh-huh. It is bejeweled with diamonds on the star's arms or legs, what mm-hmm. you call it. Uh, they all fan out from the center. And at the center is a single enormous pearl. Mm, right? Very okay. striking. The museum staff, it took them a year to discover that the CC star had been stolen. Wait, what? Yes. The reason why is the thief had left behind a replica. One that he had purchased at the gift shop. No, get out of here. Oh, my God, that's amazing. (laughs) So, Elizabeth, as I told you, we have the rare opportunity to talk shop with a career criminal. Yes. So the man alleged to have stolen the star of CeCe is Gerald Blanchard, so I thought we'd ask him all about the jewel (gasps) heist. Dave, do you mind? The CeCe star of Austria. 
Why that one? What about that one drew your attention? You decided, I, I'm just going to do this. Like, was it a, a one-off? Was it a new challenge? Was it you were there with the, you know, the wife and the father-in-law? So you're like, ah, I, I just need to have an escape. Let me say this. Here in Canada, I pled guilty to possession of the CC Star. Mm-hmm. I didn't plead guilty to the theft because ah. Austria wants to extradite me back for the crime because it's an international jewel. So ah. I'm not going to say I stole it. I'm going to say I had yes. possession of it. Ha- okay. yeah, how, ha- how you came to possession? But you can read in between the lines and somehow it ended up in my possession. We'll just say that. <laughs> but I was at the museum and when mm-hmm. I took a tour, I saw beautiful pieces. For an example, I saw the crown with diamonds. I saw the um, Sissy Star, different medals and different things. And it was just something that was just so fascinating. And I knew it was one of a kind. And I like challenges, let's just say. My man, he does it as a lark. He likes, like, he likes a challenge. Yeah, he's like, I got to do that. I mean, like, it's just speaking to me. Yeah. I got the Elizabeth voice in my ear. It's a challenge I got to meet. I'm like, ah, oh, this is better than the <laughs> Omaha police. I can beat this. <laughs> so he decides, you know, also he told me it was a way to keep his MO fresh. You know, like the modus operandi. Oh, yeah, sure. So he wanted them to not be able to guess what crimes he would do. Yeah. And also expand his possibilities. So because he keeps the cops guessing and also he kept me guessing, I had to know more Elizabeth. So I was like, you know, Elizabeth may be looking for a new retirement plan. Maybe she she maybe perhaps bank robbery is right for maybe. her. So I asked him for more information for you and for me. But uh, since we had, as I said, this rare opportunity to talk to the dude himself, hear how it is from the inside. I asked Gerald Blanchard for a personal favor because I was like all giddy and confused. I was like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you all the wrong questions. You should just tell me the thing. What's it like on the inside? And he was kind enough to oblige me. He was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll tell you. And I was like, all right, well, here, let me just turn the mic over to him. Elizabeth, close your eyes and picture it. Imagining jumping out of an airplane into the darkness and you see the street lights so far down and you see the rooftop of the castle and you're hoping you would land perfectly. And as you land, you hit so hard you could feel your tailbone. You felt like it shattered as you're sliding down the edge of the roof. And luckily you're slamming your body up against the column so you don't fall off the edge of the roof. That there is a thrill in itself. The adrenaline oversees the pain that you feel. After you land on the roof, you would take your rope and you would wrap your rope around the column as a big U. So as you tie it to your body, you can lower yourself down to the roof. And then the window that was left open the day before, you push open the window, pull the rope back up. Now you're inside of the museum and you have the museum to yourself. It's easy pickings. All you can hear is your heartbeat, but as long as you stay quiet and your body's under control. In the museum, all you see is like the emergency lights that are basically glowing and lighting up. And the only thing you can see is like the sparkles of the diamond. Or in another part of the museum, there was the crown with the diamonds. And it was very challenging and interesting to uh, have that feeling that at any moment, you could be caught if somebody walks in because obviously there's armored guards walking around everywhere. When you leave, you leave the exact same way. You take the rope, you wrap it around an existing item inside the museum, and you let go of the rope, you lower yourself, hold the other rope down, gather up all your items, throw them in the dumpster, and you run away into the darkness of the night, hopefully never to be seen again. Boom! Did you picture it? That was the best picture it ever. I'm not going to take that personally, but isn't it? It was. It totally <laughs> it was. was. Incredible. 
So also just a point of note, Dave. And that's all hypothetical story time. <laughs> all hypothetical, alleged, and uh, imagined. Exactly. All right. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. yeah right? you know, I, I got to put that in there for legal reasons. Of course. So we just got a guided tour from the man himself. Allegedly. Allegedly. Now, remember how I told you earlier that Gerald broke one of the cardinal rules of ridiculous crime? Yeah. He left a slew of evidence. He filmed himself doing crimes. Yeah. I had to know why, so I asked him about that. Oh, yeah. Why did you break crime rule number one and decide to record so much stuff on camera? The reason why is because when you record stuff, you can go back and learn what you've done and how you could do things differently and make things better. Like, yeah, when I was younger... Me shoplifting from stores when I was like 15, recording it. So what? It's shoplifting. Nothing's going to happen. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I should have recorded with a GoPro when I did the ATMs. Like, can you imagine me like running to the ATM room, opening up each machine, grabbing the money, and then running out and having it documented? I should have did it, <laughs> but I never had the thought that I'm going to get caught because I thought I had it really well planned out. So the, what I, he, I'm a gog. At this point. <laughs> I thought he might be. What he's talking about with the ATMs is one of his uh, bank robberies. He went into in a, in a Canadian bank, and uh, while it was being built, he put in all these security and surveillance equipment. And then once it was uh, about to be opened, then he strikes the night before it's going to be opened, and he <gasps> empties all all the ATM machines that they have filled up with fresh cash. Oh <laughs> my god! And so he, he talks about the ATM room. He's talking about a brand new ATM and being in the little room on the backside, obviously. That's amazing. Where they load the machines and just tearing open all those drawers and have seeing all that cash sitting well, there. And the idea that he wants to be able to like, it's like those football films where they watch back over plays. Yeah, totally wants to watch films he's on like, Monday. Ah, I could have I could have gone right on that one. <laughs> or it's kind of also like an arsonist who goes back and watches and gets his jollies off of oh, it. Oh yeah, I thought about that. I like more the idea that he's like John Madden with the telestrator. That's Boom, I could have gone thinking. faster right here. I could have come into the exactly. ATM. Boom. <laughs> Exactly. So, as I told you, uh, he was he got into bank robbery. Uh, he has a really big job, the CIBC Bank in Winnipeg, Canada. That one eventually would cost him his freedom, right? Mm -hmm. But to learn about that one, you have to watch the doc because I don't want to tell all the story. Okay. But if you do want to hear about how he's caught, how he pulled off his biggest heist jobs and all of that, uh, and his life is a real-life, you know, folk hero outlaw, do check The, the Jewel Thief. Okay. I, it's streaming now. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'll watch it. Now, Elizabeth, you know how you like to sleep. God, I love to sleep. Right? You, oh my god! You know, like you, you know, who loves a good night's sleep almost as much as you do? Cats. Good call. A person on the run. Oh yeah, because it's few and far. They between. They never get a good night's sleep, uh -huh. right? And it starts to catch up to them, and they get all you know. You want to see someone who's grouchy? Hang out with someone who's on the run. Sure. Right. Yeah. So Gerald discovered the key to a good night's rest. You want to know what it is? What's that? Telling the truth. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Apparently, I was going to uh, say like THC and melatonin. No, no, that's uh, your that's secret. My secret. Yeah. <laughs> so no, his recipe is slightly different. His was a night in jail and then <laughs> telling the truth. So at least that first night in jail was a good night's sleep. I don't know about the ones after that, but that first yeah. night was like awesome. Yeah. So he'd been on the run for years at that point, and uh, how was it for Gerald once he he finally was busted and his head hit that county issued pillow? Well, we can take it from him, Dave. The best night was the first night I slept in jail. Like, I was caught, I was relieved, I didn't have to worry about anything else, and it was the best sleep of my life. And we hear this over and over again, how good it feels to be caught. Were you surprised by that relief? Actually, I was. Like, had I known, I probably would have done things a lot differently. I just didn't realize, like I said, it would take the police, like, nine to ten years to catch me. 
Whoa. Right? Nine to ten years. Yeah, he was on the run for nine to ten years. <sighs> There's a whole thing. I mean, like that's stressful. Oh my god. And it, it's crazier than that because as I told you, he was like, you know, very anti-violence. Doesn't and he also doesn't want to hurt anybody. He eventually gets involved with, with real criminals and then international criminals, credit card fraud. Then there's allegations he's involved with a terrorist mastermind, and that's where the oh. credit card fraud is funding. And this is like post 9-11, 2004 era, so it's yeah. like real dicey to be involved with like terrorist funding. Yeah. So he finds like the world of crime like swallows him up like the sea and drags him out into the like, the, the drowning distances. I think it must be hard to stay nonviolent and stay like it is. not targeting people. You don't want to do the violence, and if you want to protect what you have and also protect yourself against other criminals who you're doing business with who mm-hmm. will take from you what you have if yeah. you, you have to defend yourself or defend yourself with violence eventually you realize I'm in a room with all criminals and yeah. they will if I don't act tough and they go, you're like oh this is not the best growth plan like yeah. I'm going to have to do this more and more I'm going to have to get other guys with guns to sit next to me and protect my stuff if I get more stuff I'm going to need more guys with guns it's yeah. just like yeah. this is so that's why you get out of crime if you really get deep into it right anyway lesson over what's our ridiculous takeaway wow I oof, la, la. um I don't know. I mean, I think that he's a, he, he's a good cautionary tale uh-huh. that, like, in terms of, like we were just talking about, getting swallowed up into larger things. So yeah. he had, like, a, you know, I don't want to say a noble mission because he was breaking the law. Totally. Uh, but at the same time, but it wasn't damaging to, to the everyday person. No, exactly. He was, his victims were not such that their lives were ruined. He was not, uh, you know, causing funerals. He was not doing the stuff yeah. that's usually the costly aspects yeah, of crime. and just breaking people because he came from a family that had, I mean, he had granted it, it was through divorce, but yeah. yeah, to know what it's like to just have nothing. Yeah, he'd been the victim of that. So this time, and back. so, but I think it's interesting that he and the the idea that your first good night of sleep is the one in jail. Mm-hmm. Wow, we after ten years or yeah. nine, almost you know. And I also my other ridiculous takeaway is apparently like cool things like Hulu and all this other stuff contacts you. <laughs> you open your emails. That's all I got to say. I know. I guess. <laughs> well, uh, my ridiculous takeaway once again, thank you for You're asking, so Elizabeth. Is, Always welcome. Uh, not only open your emails, but uh, my other one is that. I find it really fascinating how he kind of comes around because now he is a, a security consultant, you know, so he's like what we often see. He becomes like the white hat hacker. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I'll teach you how to not have your sheep be taken. I am the wolf who will protect you. But he still has like a, not a disregard, but a lot of his attitudes haven't changed. He's just realized that crime doesn't pay mm-hmm. in the way that he wants, but yeah. he hasn't changed his mind about like, they're still robbing you too. You uh-huh. know, he doesn't come around like society. Legally, they're legally robbing exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I like that, you know, he's trying to make his way in a world where he has to watch other people get away with crime and he's like, nope, I can't do that. Yeah. So I find that really fascinating because he's so smart and he's like the way, he's, and he also, his old desire to get back. He's right now having to live like where he's muting himself. Yeah. So he's yeah. having, he's like, not a, I'm not saying he's some Zen master, but I thought that was really interesting. Well, and I just, I'm so appreciative that he sat down to talk to you about that. Totally. That's it awesome. was great. So thank you, Gerald. I had a great time. And uh, anytime you want to come back, you know, you're always welcome. Friend of the show. And if you enjoyed that, I also wanted to let you know we will make a uh, full interview available on our website. So check back at Ridiculous Crime. You want to hear the full interview with Gerald Blanchard, Jewel Thief Extraordinaire. You can find us online if you'd like to hear more uh, Ridiculous Crime on Twitter, Instagram, now Threads. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. And you can email us, Elizabeth, at RidiculousCrime <laughs> at gmail.com. Somebody will get me the emails, and apparently she doesn't ever see them. I don't anyway, look at it. we also have the TalkBack app on iHeart, so you can uh, 
you know, send us. But she does hear those. I can tell. I can attest to I that. I do hear those. She likes those. She likes the sound of you guys' voices. So well, maybe I don't send have a that. computer, so or maybe send a, a, an email that you just have a voicemail in it. I don't know. Maybe she'll listen to Something that. Something like that. Anyway, we'll be back next time. Thanks for listening. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zarin Burnett. Produced and edited by Jewel Thief connoisseur Dave Kustin. Research is by Marissa, Interpol's Most Wanted, Brown, and Andrea, Cat Burglar to the Stars, Song Charpentier. Our theme song is by Thomas Majestic Lee and Travis Benjamin Dutton. Host's wardrobe is provided by Botany 500. Executive producers are Ben, the other MacGyver, Bolin, and Noel, Mad Dog Murdoch Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.